You're listening to Having a Chat, the show where we talk to interesting people with interesting tastes in music about the music that they love. I'm Alex Spears, and for the last several months, I've been really getting into this Brisbane-based and now London-based band called The Goon Sacks. Goonsax have just put out a fantastic new record called Mirror 2, which sees them really coming into their own as songwriters, blending the sounds of noise, psychedelia, experimental rock, along with mainstream pop. So we're very excited to have Riley with us to chat about some music. This is Having a Chat. Riley, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, so a couple of things I want to talk to you about before we, we launch into the, the songs. Um, the first of which is you just moved to London, and this is something we were talking about before we started recording. Um, and I'm kind of interested in just kind of, you know, three weeks ago, uh, you moved to London. I'm, I'm interested in sort of exploring that a little bit. What, uh, what prompted the move? Um, so I'd actually wanted to move since before COVID. We came over here at the start of last year to record our album in Bristol. And then um, after that, we played a show in London at the Victoria in Dalston and stuck around for about four days in between. And we played a few shows. And um, I just kind of been wanting to leave Brisbane for a little while. And I thought that maybe Japan was a place, but then I had such a good time here that um, I just decided to, it would be an easy move. And then I, I got really excited about it, got home and thought I'd just get some stuff and pop back over. But it, then we went into lockdown just pretty much as soon as we got back into the country. So I've been looking forward to it for so long. It's nice yeah. to finally be here. Finally happened. I love that. Um, so I want to like, talk about sort of singing and playing drums um i'm a drummer and it's you know it's it's something that i've always found to be like I, and, and by no means am i a good singer but i've always found it to be like impossible um yeah and and but what was interesting to me is that you know you you would only my, my understanding at least is that you would only been playing drums for like a month before you started with the goon sax so like i get could you kind of expand on your like progression as both a drummer but but as a drummer who sings well i just kind of expected that it would be easy right and it absolutely wasn't i don't know why like i i saw there was this australian band dick diver and i remember seeing the drummer steph hughes sing and play drums and i was like how does she she just makes it look so effortless like i'll just do that it, it must be easy and um so it was extremely frustrating it was like trying to break my brain in half um it's like trying to pat your head and rub your tummy at the yeah, same exactly. time um but i i just expected that i could do it straight away so i just kind of forced myself and i think that playing in a band really forced me because i wanted to show up to practice and be able to play the songs but then there were some practices where I just was so annoyed like I just ran out of patience with myself I remember one just like 
like we we're probably like 15 i think i was 15 the boys were like 16 17 and i just stormed out i stormed out and i went for a walk around the block but then eventually like once the muscle memory sinks in like you probably understand that like you can just after you've been drumming for a while you can just sit down and it just kind of happens on its own almost so having to do it so much in the band context really made me just keep trying until I was able to do it. Well, yeah, because I guess in my in my case, I have like no real incentive to like keep going. <laughs> like, yeah. I, don't, I don't have a band that's depending on me to actually be able to do it. Um, yeah, no, you have to you have to have something to to show up for. So I think I was lucky in that way that I just had to do it. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, all right, cool. So I wanna I wanna move into um, a song of yours uh, in the stone, and there's this there's this line in it that is super super relatable. Um, you 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 don't have to sound so disappointed when I called, or you didn't have to sound so disappointed when I called. Like that is like yeah, it, it's it's super kind of sad and relatable. Like what can you talk or walk me through uh, that line a little bit? Yeah, it's pretty. Like, I think actually, so I heard Lewis explain this because he, he wrote those lyrics. I heard him explain it in an interview just today. And he was saying that we've sung a lot in the past about phones. Like we have a song called Telephone. There's, I don't know, there's plenty. There's always a reference to phones on all of our albums. And, and apparently his partner at the time when he wrote In The Stone was in a parody band of the Goonsacks. And um, and they would write, you know, they they never really played, but it was just kind of a a bit a bit that they had like a joke that they kind of ran with, and um and so he when he wrote this he thought that it was so like um, it was sort of like a parody of of our band. He felt like he wrote that lyric for the Goonsacks parody band right. because it was so hilariously it's kind of like sad boy but also like just i don't know just sad like the kind of but yeah i think he thought that it was almost too perfect in the end like it started as a joke yeah um and then in the end it was just like it was just what fit the best in the song and Yeah. yeah i think it is really impactful because of that like because everybody has had that experience it's also just a line that I think uh, one of his friends actually said to him because in the songs we tend to change. I'm not sure about James, but Lewis and I in our songwriting tend to change perspectives between first person, second person, or jumping into another person's perspective to write from there about the situation. So, yeah, I think he was actually just repeating a line that was actually said to him. Right, right, right. Like he was the one that was disappointed, which actually I've experienced with those because he never saved numbers. Right. And I'm like, how do you know who it is? He's like, I just know. Yeah. But he doesn't, obviously. So talk to me about that a little bit, like just this idea of like it, it, almost writing from the perspective of someone else on the topic of something that like frustrates them about yourself. Like it, it seems like a yeah. kind of cool way to foster empathy with the people in your life. Totally, like, I think it's a step up from the last record, which was just very, like, and the first record, too. It's just very 
diary entry style, like hard on your sleeve, salt to the earth, very literal, but now it's kind of like we're kind of expanding our perspectives a bit and um, expanding our sense of empathy as well. For me, I kind of, I write, I write things, I try to structure lyrics like a dream in a way, like uh, where everything is kind of collaged together and, and it's not really necessarily clear where where the ideas are coming from, but they still resonate in some way. So I think in that way, it feels very natural to jump between perspectives and to kind of just synthesize them into the one. You're like, yeah, it's just super beautiful when it, when it comes across like that. Yeah. Do you think it's better not feeling any of this at all? So above it, don't watch me down here. Let's just get hiking through the frozen window. I see a dark shape on the street. Are you the vampire? I feel a dark heart on the street. into your songs now or the, rather the songs that you picked um how to fight by earth eater yeah M- like and full disclosure i don't think a single one of the, the the artists on the list that you gave me i've i've been familiar with like so i'm this is like a a crash course a beginner's course for me um talk to me about earth oh. eater and and uh, and why'd you pick this song so earth eater i i wish i knew more about them like as as an artist i've read a few interviews i'm not completely sure where she's from but um anyway she used to write more um electronic uh pieces and i in this interview i read she was explaining how her first records that she wrote she tried working with a producer in a studio and it just felt really like creatively stifling so then she just went back to her room and recorded all of her songs with like just leaning into the laptop completely and and having like the mic up really high but then just whispering and hearing hearing like all the subtleties and the raspiness of her voice and um and the live shows that she played she kind of had like a a, like a she played guitar through like this kind of delay and would make beats that way and then just improvise and sing over them. But anyway, she's just like an incredibly talented, like one of the most powerful songwriters in the world right now. Um, she just released an album called um, uh, Le Petit Mort, which like it's to listen to after you climax, after right. your orgasm, you're supposed to listen to this album. Right. It's pretty, it's pretty beautiful. Um, 
but this song, this is off the album before, and and I feel like in this album she's managed to make guitar music relevant again, and I love that because I love guitar, but I often feel like playing guitar is too nostalgic. Yeah, so this song is beautiful. It's very serene, but it has this like heaviness and. I think the production is amazing as well. So, I'm I'm interested in what you said about like making guitar music relevant again. Like that that's that's certainly a topic that I'm that I find myself being fascinated with. Where like because you're so right. Like a, a lot of the time, it doesn't seem like folks are doing anything that's new. It it it, it, it often seems like it's in you know in reference to to something that's already been done. So how, can you expand on that a little bit more? Like how is she doing that? You know, like, and in the videos too, you can probably, you can see her just like finger picking an acoustic guitar. And it's like this amazing powerhouse electronic artist who writes absolute bangers, like pop bangers, just picks up this acoustic guitar and plays it with like, I, I really, I really think it comes down to production. Like it's, it sounds beautiful, but then there's so much there's so much else going on that it sounds like dystopian, and it sounds huge, and it sounds like, yeah, it's pretty epic. Like, yeah. Um, but then having something that sounds so intimate, and then I saw this video of her playing live, like the at MoMA maybe it was, at some art gallery in New York, and um, and she's just singing like singing whispering into a microphone and and plucking the guitar with none of the extra stuff but it's just like the intimacy that i think holds so much power um but i think like for guitar music in general another example of of an artist that i think is giving you life to guitar music or like even rock music um i think each tumor like the last Eve's tumor record, there's just something that sounds new when you hear it. There's something that feels new. Um, and I think I think that does come down to production. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's funny just hearing you talk about, like, the idea of kind of getting paired up with, like, a producer and it not working. Like, that that's something that a lot of people have come on the show and, and talked about just kind of past experiences where, like, the industry as, like, an entity will kind of you know, assume that you're going to be a good match for someone and yeah. and it doesn't really work out um, and what that can lead to. I mean, another, you know, speaking of someone who's in my, in my view, making guitar music really, really cool again is um, uh, another Australian artist, Haley Mary, um, who used to be in the Jezebels, like her new solo project is crazy. I haven't heard it. I, I'll have to check it out. hundred percent cool. recommend. She's like, her stuff's crazy, but, um, but she was one of these, people who came on the show and talked about that experience like is that something that you you've experienced as well like the idea of kind of getting paired up with by the industry with someone that's like not a good fit absolutely but you know you never know yeah you never really know like someone could have a great portfolio of work or like catalog of the things that they've done and it sounds amazing but then when you get together it's just like there's just no chemistry it's just falls flat i mean our our second record 
we're not talking. Like, I think the producers were really talented at what they did, but the, their approach was to kind of to morph us into something that we weren't. Like, they were like, you guys are great. Let's just take it in, in this other direction. And I think it came down to, like, their work style, but also came down to us communicating. Yeah. You know, like, I think since then... We've definitely learned how to communicate what we want a lot better because we used to just talk about this thing pop music and just think that everybody would automatically understand what that meant but because we we live like in quite a weird insular music world we don't it's 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 there are so many shades of pop music essentially um but but then you know the most amazing thing was that on the this new album, we worked with John Parrish, and he just uh, completely got us. He wasn't trying to push his own image onto what we were doing. Like, he had his standards, which is what we had to meet, like, um, as players and, and in terms of the sounds of things. But when it came to songwriting, like, he was like, no, that's your bag like i'm just here to to make you sound good ultimately and um yeah as it should be as it should be but i i, I respect like people who produce creatively but i think that's a whole other thing you know like i think if that's your thing then you should make that clear from the start and be like i'm here to to be creative about this like there are definitely things where where john we, 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 he just never really said no, like, which was amazing. He didn't have to because we were working really quite closely together and having long days, like intensive days. And we would try something, like he would give everything a fair, every idea we had for production and whatever, give it a fair go. But then if it wasn't working, there was almost just always a unanimous agreement that it was worth a try like i'm glad we we gave that all of the attention and the energy that it needed to to potentially be amazing but it wasn't so let's yeah. move on now yeah yeah it's worth it's worth exploring regardless yeah definitely because you just you don't know you yeah, don't know yeah, until you hear it So, uh, Oh, Love is Teasing, Gene Ritchie. Talk to me about this song. What do you like about it? Um, this is like a folk song. This is, and it's beautiful guitar playing as well. And Gene Ritchie just has one of these, like, these voices that just cut you right 
through the heart. You know, it's like an amazing delivery. And it's a it's a love song, but it's about love teasing, I guess, and how it never really works out. So it feels like almost like it has a blues nature. I really love it. Yeah, yeah. That that's it. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that that that's the that's the thing. Like sometimes, you know, you don't need to say any more than that. That's it. Yeah. More babes with guitars. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> But as love grows older, it still grows colder and fades away like the morning dew. Come all you fair maids, now take a warning. Don't ever heed what a young man say. He is like a star on some foggy Um, all right, so uh, I'm sorry, Virginia Astley. Um, no relation to Rick Astley, I presume. Um, Actually, but, yes, I believe uh, so. <laughs> I was I was just joking, but that's crazy. What's the relation? I think so. Wait, let me just. Um, I think it's. Um, oh no 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 Rick Astley. No. Okay. <laughs> Affiliation at all. That would have been too perfect. Um, no, it would have been, but I think they. This woman is um, Pete Townsend's sister-in-law. Okay, cool. So yeah, wow. there you go. Apparently, um, she released like pretty like kind of obscure music. This is something that Lewis showed me, and James showed me. They put me onto this, and I just think um, it's an incredible album. I think that she got signed to some label after releasing something something that kind of was more underground and then um even though she's extremely talented it just kind of flopped um but now there's more of a like cult following behind it so yeah well and bands with cult followings are like an endless source of fascination for me like uh, like particularly artists who like you know over time the the strength of the songs and the strength of their talent and artistry really does kind of cut through the the noise right like yeah so i i, I always love hearing um stories where that happens because because you always kind of you know if you're at all optimistic and sentimental you kind of hope that that would be the case absolutely i'm pretty sure um that our band is going to be more successful after you know we start making music and somebody <laughs> just like stumbled across it in a record shop like don't tell the labels that i said that but i'm pretty <laughs> sure like you know maybe nobody well like the album people buy the album but you know 50 give it 50 years everyone's gonna want that album yeah that's what i'm banking on for yeah. some reason i guess it's just a romantic idea but yeah. when i listen to something like maybe like virginia ashley or you know even more popular things like like psyche tv you have a huge cult following occultist following and cult following and i feel so romantic about their world and i hope that somebody at some point is going to feel romantic about my world yeah yeah would you rather 
be like massive, like the next big thing, or in 50 years develop like a really cool and interesting cult following that's like shaping music? Yeah, like I, I don't mind. Either way, I'd be stoked. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, like, you know, as long as it connects with somebody somewhere at some point, that's cool. I just want to make things that are really beautiful and, and that people can look at them, the artwork and hear the music and go, I want to spend time with this. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it's all about at the end of the day, for sure. I hear yeah. You. But that's a good question. Like, imagine being the next big thing. Yeah. It's hard to imagine. Yeah. But, but equally... Like, imagine being, like, this, like, super kind of low-key thing. That, like, like Arthur Russell or yeah. something. You yeah. know, like, after you die, just blowing up. People finally appreciate you. I think I just rely on that because I'm like, oh, nobody appreciates me. That's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait till I'm it's dead. They're going to love yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good to just kind of, like, rest on that, like. For, for just personal comfort, I guess. Yeah, because I wouldn't know anyway. I'll be yeah. dead. Yeah, yeah. Who cares? Like, you know, when you when you kick the bucket, tell yourself that. Like the minute the minute that you croak, you're gonna be the biggest thing on the planet. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, <laughs> bye guys. Hope you like the record. Yeah. We worked really hard on it. Yeah. There you That's go. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> think that this song's called Black Shadow, but we're not 100% sure. This is on an album of hers from, I think it's 95, potentially 1995. 96. 96. According to Spotify. Okay. The Oracle of Wisdom. On this album, uh, she was really into like the Cocteau Twins and 4AD bands and I think the Cocteau Twins actually wrote a few songs for this album. Wow. And it's pretty amazing. Like, it sounds like, it sounds to me like the Cranberries, but, um, like, in Chinese. And right. it just, it's all I've been listening to lately, actually. It makes me feel super, like, nostalgic. But it's like so many of the things that I love that I've already listened to all of them and heard them in the same way and I, I love this this take like I'm not sure who who was producing but it's um very inspiring for me at the moment. Yeah. So talk to me about like the ability to appreciate and really get like lost in music despite not being able to understand the lyrics. Um is that like yeah. Like, do you do you at all endeavor to sort of translate, or, or or is it something where just like the emotion that 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 the music and and the way it's being sung captures kind of speaks for itself? I think it it speaks for itself. I think 
like she's an incredible singer just in terms of the the presence and the um, intention behind the words I think that's something that you can just feel um, I would be really interested to translate them but I haven't actually gotten around to it but I, I, I do actually love listening to it without there being some meaning. I mean, it's like the Cocteau twins as well. Like you can never understand what they're saying. It's, it's an invented language. And it's the same with one of my most influential bands on the new Greenstacks album, this like Japanese noise band from the seventies called the Raleigh Zedanoot. And they sing in a made up language. It's like halfway between French and Japanese, but you feel every word like it's really beautiful yeah well and and it's interesting because it makes me think of like in in so many cases and and one of the great joys of this show has just been learning about people's songwriting process and 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 it seems to me like a lot of the time folks are writing songs in a way where people can kind of project their own feelings and their own experiences onto that song and it's given me a greater deal of appreciation for folks who even like you know my my favorite band is oasis and they they weren't necessarily writing about nothing but if you listen to a lot of their lyrics it's complete nonsense like yeah. it doesn't actually make like any real sense but you can belt it out and just project whatever it is that you're feeling totally i have so often done champagne supernova at karaoke yeah and be like yeah like this is it you know like this is speaking to me and then i'm like what is champagne supernova yeah what does it like, mean to be slowly walking down the hall faster than a cannonball yeah. <laughs> it doesn't actually make any sense totally and it's like um pavement as well for example yeah. like that shit doesn't make sense yeah at all but it resonates and i think like good pop songs for me reach a point where it's universal and i think what is more universal than like psychological projection yeah you know everybody can just put their own spin on things um i think it's almost like it's it's neutral but it does inspire some maybe more subtle feelings that you can't you can't put your finger on why you, why it makes you feel like that, but it does. And I think that's what makes good art in the end. Yeah, no, it's like, it's like the coolest thing in the world. Like if you think, because it's, e- it's easier to write something that's like, at least at least I think as someone who can't write a song to save his life, like it, it, it's almost, it, it, it almost seems like it's more challenging to write something that's on the surface, complete nonsense, but that like everyone can see themselves in yeah exactly i think it's just an illusion regardless like even if the words make sense like in the stone for example i didn't really know what in the stone meant right for so long and i was like but still i was like yeah like i totally i'm there with you lewis like i'm there um, but then I kind of it kind of clicked. There was a click moment. I'm like, oh, like carving something, like right, right, something right. that makes it really serious, like it's really cemented meaning, like a big decision or something. But like even before I I came to that conclusion myself or 
derived that meaning from myself. I was still feeling it. And with James's songs, he has a song called Carpentry. Right. Which is like a word that he made up about like caring for carpet. <laughs> okay. I thought it was carpentry. And he thought the carpentry was about carpets, but then <laughs> realized that it was about wood, and so he had to change it. But like, there's still something so euphoric about that song. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's just because like I think if, if the illusion of all the parts is successful, create something else entirely. Yeah, yeah. It, kind of, it becomes greater than some of its parts. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to get into Do You See It, uh, Lorraine James featuring uh, Jonine Standish. Uh, What do you like about this song? I love this song because I love Lorraine James, who's like this kind of glitch artist from the UK, I believe. And Janine Standish is one of my favorite singers of all time. She's in an Australian band called Hate Rock. Um, And... She sang, the first time I heard her sing was on this Roland S. Howard album, like when he released, I think it's called Pop Crimes. And um, she has this like, it's like this oozing kind of, it's it just, uh, it's very intimate. It's very like almost buzzy, like there's a buzziness about her voice that really resonates with me. Um, and so when they collaborated, I was just like, this is it, you know, this is going to be a banger, and it absolutely is. It's, yeah, it's good. Do you see it? And it feels like everything that I love about music from 2021. Right, right. So what, you, you, you said something that I kind of want to go back to because I'm not, like, I feel like I know what it is, but, I, but I, I'm not 100% sure. What does it mean to be a glitch artist? Like, what is that? It's like electronic music it's right, right, right. almost got like a like a beat to it but the production is like the panning is like super weird it's like all okay, over the place that. and yeah. then also like the volume kind of sometimes it drops out sometimes it's like um it's it's almost like when i think of glitch i think of like orteco or something like it's very it's computer music yeah um yeah, that, that's what I thought, but it's yeah. I, I'm always fascinated by like genres with names like that, you know. Yeah, me too. Like I'm actually really bad with genres. I'm sure there's there's a better way to describe what Lorraine James does. <laughs> right. But that's all that's what I'm that's what I've got. Yeah, yeah. But we'll uh we'll we'll forward you all the hate mail of people correcting you and 
Yeah, we'll, thanks. We'll get, we'll get it sorted. I'll, um, they can just give me the rundown on yeah. all of the genres. Yeah. Objectively, you know, give me the universal rule book. Yeah. And I'll just, just put me in my place and that would be great because, yeah, I, I, I like when people ask us what music we play and they're, they're looking for a genre, I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't do genres. Yeah. Because it's it's almost like it's not up to us. Yeah, no, you know, it's up to it is up to journalists and critics and um somebody some some universal consciousness out there to come and tell you this is where you are, but it's just for marketing essentially and um I feel like it's none of my business. Yeah. Well and 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 speaking of just like the kind of the idea of like subjectivity and like being able to kind of project what you think onto a, a song or on an artist, like it, it almost seems like with a band like yours where there's so clearly such a wide range of kind of genres being sort of woven in, like it, it, you can almost like if you're if you're a folk fan and like you're really into like folk music, you can kind of pull that stuff out of your sound to like the front or if you're like a post-punk fan you can kind of like pull that yeah. out to the front like it it's really it, it's nice how it can just kind of be in the in the eyes of the beholder i think that's our way of making guitar music relevant um because we're really we're really conscious of the lineage um we're also really conscious of not being confined to any genre, especially in terms of just what we listen to, you know, like we don't want to miss out on good stuff because we're like, no, we're a punk band, you know, like that's it, it's yeah. DIY or nothing. Everybody else can go home. We don't need to fit in anywhere anymore. Like nobody really does, I think. And that's what I like about Earth Eater, the first artist I played because she like just completely did something so different to our last album. And I think with our album, it's very different to our last albums. It, it almost feels like we're starting again in a way, but because we're bombarded with all this like media all the time, I think we have more autonomy to search for exactly what we want or exactly what we like. And there's not necessarily a, a tangent to follow that's been laid out for you. You know, you're not just gonna buy like the one psychedelic album that comes out that year yeah, yeah, that you can afford or like that month or whatever. Like you're gonna dig and you're gonna just stumble on on things and and then when it comes to collaborating with each other and, and trying to synthesize all of these things, like it's a mess. And, and so it should be at this time. Like, we don't want to make music that's been made before. We want to, we want to Frankenstein things together in a way that, that hasn't been yeah, done before. Of course, of course. Well, yeah, and, 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 and that's the beauty of, of, I guess, it's kind of cliche to say at this point, but like the, that, that, that's the beauty about like the accessibility of, of, of music. It is. Um, no, I completely agree. It is beautiful. When the summertime ends, you know the good things come. When you talk about love, you seem to get things wrong. Oh, when you make the money so 
kind of an open question like what uh, what can you tell us about this song psychic it's about it's about a having a connection i think um it's about feeling somebody's presence when they're not with you and and it's about feeling some kind of fate but not being able to control it in any way and you can say you can say things, you can say, why would you say that you'd come back or that you'd never come back? And it's kind of the same because it's just going to meet like the same. And, you know, you can say things to try to please somebody or to say what you think they want to hear. But in the end, it's kind of like ultimately you're just another cog in the wheel. Like just. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and sonically, it's about pairing industrial textures like noisy guitars like really driving 80s drum sounds with hyper pop melodies and pop structure yeah. like just um not holding back in either direction yeah almost yeah. like a like a sky ferrera song gotcha gotcha you yeah. know like the sounds on the Sky Ferrer album, Nighttime, My Time. You could hear them in like an Einstein Neubauten album, for sure. But the way that they're paired with this like classic pop structures, classic pop choruses, it's like, it's epic. When you said that we were psychic, like I find comfort in that. You said I knew what you were So we're going to get to the best part of the show now where you get to plug 
your um, your upcoming record, your socials, and I think um, this will be released after the record comes okay. out. Um, but uh, but yeah, fire away. Let the people know where they can uh, check you out and what they can expect to hear from you. So, if you like the sound of what you heard today, you can check out our music on all streaming platforms. You can get it at the shops, at any good quality record shops. And it's called Mirror 2, and it's out on the 9th of July. It's coming out on Matador Records everywhere except for Australia and New Zealand. Our Instagram is the Goonsacks. T-H-E-G-O-O-N-S-A-X. Um, and like and subscribe. Yeah. And also subscribe to Having a Chat. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Riley. I appreciate it. Thanks so much to Riley from the Goon Sacks for joining us this week. As always, you can find full versions of this show wherever you get your podcasts or at havingachat.com. The show is produced by myself, Alex Anderson, and Hillary Johnston. Social media and marketing materials are done by Petra Walker, so don't forget to check us out on social media at Having a Chat. The music is composed by Duncan Briggs and Sugarglass, and if you have time, please feel free to rate us on your podcast app of choice. It really helps us out. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. 